0: Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well.
1: Oh, man, I love that intro. Every every time we watch it, I know I say that like every episode now, but every time we watch it, I get so pumped up. And, you know, uh, it seems like this year we're probably going to have some more stuff to add to it. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, what, can we
2: add my name to the ending <laughs>
3: too? That'd be cool. Oh, we're, yeah, I'm going to have to oh, edit it
1: now. Dang, yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. Um, but every, welcome back, everybody, to the Boiler Express podcast. Honestly, I'm not sure what episode we're at. Um, but before we get into everything, Wait. I just want to real quick, uh, it's what, it, yeah, it kind of feels like that. Um, but just want to real quick shout us out on all the different platforms. So, you know, if uh, if you're not watching on Twitter, you there's a uh, you know there's opportunities for you guys to watch elsewhere uh, when we're not live. So, um, if you want to check us out on Twitter, we're at Boiler underscore Express. Um, we're on uh, uh, Spotify podcast, so uh, at Boiler Express uh, on there, and then on YouTube the Boiler Express podcast. So if you want to check us out um, when we're not live, uh, th- those are the places to do it. Um, but. <coughs> Uh, but like I said, we have a, uh, an exciting episode to talk about tonight, a uh, lot, lot going on in the, the Purdue world. But, uh, before we get into that, I'll just do some quick intros. So, uh, if you got all the regulars here, you've got myself, the ultimate boiler, um, five Oh ghost, Frank, the stat tank, big 10 Russ, and first ever episode as an official member of the boiler express podcast, Dylan, welcome Dylan. Uh, we're, we're on, super pumped to have you here on a regular basis now. Um, it's going to be awesome. And, um, if you uh, are in the Dayton area, Dylan sells propane and propane accessories, so uh, sure you know, hit him up if, uh, if you need those. And then we've got a special guest with us as well. Charles uh, Tordzo, uh or Wadzo uh, Jr., um, played at Purdue from, I believe it was 2010 to 2014. <coughs> Started off as a, a, a wide receiver, eventually transitioned to uh, tight end. And uh, just some quick facts about uh, Chuck before we get too much farther into everything as well. So um, also was the founder of the Boilermaker Wish Club or Foundation, which uh, I was kind of checking out a little bit more today. Just a really cool thing um, that I love that was going on at Purdue Um, and also is currently the U.S. national uh, football team senior coordinator of sports performance. So Chuck's not only. Uh, was he doing a lot at Purdue? But he was—he's doing a lot out, outside of Purdue um, with his life outside of Purdue. And we're excited to get to talk to him, talk about football, talk about life outside of Purdue, and just get to know him more. So, Chuck, thanks for joining the podcast, man.
4: Absolutely, Jim. No, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I'm excited to, to get on this platform. Obviously, great faithful nation that we're we're chatting with tonight. Um, and man, I'm just excited to kind of get into him. Obviously, always exciting to have a, a platform specifically dedicated to the Boilers because there's there's nothing that brings me more joy than. The best athletic department in the
1: country so that's awesome well that's really cool to, to hear you say that and uh you know it's i think it's really cool when you know us as fans uh, obviously we all like purdue and, and love purdue and have a passion for it but i think it's really cool when um former players are, are still really passionate about purdue and you can tell that from you know all the stuff you've got hanging up behind you um just the way that you were talking about purdue before we uh, met here tonight and um you know leading up to the podcast so really really cool stuff um So just to get started, uh, we've all got a couple questions to ask you just to kind of spitball and and get to know you more and and just learn more about you. So I actually have a a surprise question for you. I know I sent you a list of questions, but um, one of my uh, neighbors, one of my neighbors is a Brownsburg native and uh, was going to school around the same time. I believe you were in high school. And so they asked me Uh to ask you if you if you remember a Mrs. Prather.
4: Mrs. Prather maybe maybe the pronunciation i don't know if it was prather if it was Prather. i think miss prather. prather was like a, a school was a music teacher
1: yeah a music teacher and yeah so, yeah okay okay um, yeah, do you remember a guy named he said he said you may or may not remember him you guys were cool with each other but didn't really talk a lot uh, eddie peterson what's his name eddie peterson eddie peterson you know i'm a, i'm not gonna lie i'm terrible with names it's all good uh, if i saw a picture um, i
4: probably would recognize him better than a name
1: but it's yeah not really absolutely well,, uh, that's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to see if you' remember him. He told me to, to ask you that, and so I thought that'd be kind of a fun uh, little thing to add in there. Um, but no, my first question was just honestly starting from the the very beginning. So um, the whole recruiting process, you know what you know how how uh, early were you into your football career when you started getting recruited and then um, talk about you know that whole process of getting in contact with Purdue and just that whole recruiting process?
4: Man, so that, that's a great place to start. So my recruiting process was – it was fun, to be honest with you. It was an incredible time. Obviously, things have changed dr- dramatically since then. Um, but so going into it all, I moved to Indianapolis and went to Brownsburg High School. I moved to Indian in sixth grade. Okay. And I was actually kind of embraced by people that were IU fans naturally, right? Whenever you move to Indianapolis or Indiana, which is what something that I learned instantly mm-hmm. is that majority of people are going to be iu or notre dame fans are going to have ties to those ties to those programs i use that that term extremely loosely um because everybody's just naturally fans of those so initially i was actually an iu fan when i first moved here and we went to okay. our team at IU camp uh, coach bill lynch was what i was recruiting me at the time uh, and then danny hope came uh, and basically just kind of dumped the entire tradition of purdue football on me and my family we sat in our house in brownsburg he told my parents listen as far as tradition goes and as far as, like, athletics go and academics as well was something that they harped on too, Purdue was just elite, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously I, I can't argue with, and, and it's, it really sold me from that point forward. Um, the record from the bucket game to the Drew breezes, um, and all I mean, all the clips that we just showed prior to this were a lot of the big reasons why I actually ended up going to Purdue was just because the athletic department and tradition was just so much more rich, in my opinion, and what when I, when I, I was being shown as well. So that's kind of where it all started. Came to my official visit. Albert Evans was the guy who, who showed me around the campus a little bit. Um, and obviously Albert is one of the OGs. I actually ran into him this past weekend at the game. And incredible. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible brotherhood. and It's something that has lasted, you know, well beyond our years at Purdue as well. So I think I definitely made the right decision. Um, and again, man. I just I just love everybody who's associated with Purdue because again yeah. this is this isn't, this isn't something like a fandom where you just become a, a fan of Purdue nine times out of ten you have some sort of tie back to the university and a reason why you like you're not just a fan just because so
1: yeah I think that's a really great point and something that I think we all relate to as well you know Dylan has that connection with his dad and growing up going to Purdue games and and all those memories that he made growing up um, I I got into it with my grandpa. Um, I think uh, Chris and, and Frank went to Purdue and, and Russ, you know, was a big uh, fan growing up as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's so much deeper than the fandom. It's definitely not like, oh, this team's good this year. So I'm going to I'm going right. to follow them and, and check them out. Now, Purdue is like if you're a Purdue fan, we, uh, we we had Markel Jones on the podcast a while ago. And we were saying that, you know, there's no in between. You're either not a Purdue fan or you're all about Purdue. There's no there's not that in between at all um so i think that's a really good point and i just love hearing your passion man about purdue and the athletic department and just how you uh, love the school love the athletic department and just enjoyed your your time at purdue so um i think frank's got a, a couple of questions for you as well to kind of talk about that some more so
0: yeah i mean one thing that kind of um spans your career is uh some, some transition i know there's a, a transition from one coach to another but you know before getting into that i know you transitioned uh positions during your time at purdue and Want to see if I could pick your brain about what that process was like, and if the, maybe there were some expected or unexpected hurdles, and kind of lastly, if that was something that was uh, brought up out of necessity on your end or or the team's end.
4: So, if you wouldn't mind touching on that, we'd appreciate that. Absolutely. So, it's it's a, it's an interesting undertone, and it, especially in today's game, just because with the transfer portal being such an active, active, active place. Uh, Nowadays, I mean, I saw that within the last 24 hours, over a thousand athletes have already entered the transfer portal. And that's just because whether I don't know if they're not playing. I mean, some of these dudes were starters and were bona fide ballers at their schools are now on the transfer portal. So Mm -hmm. back in our back in our day, here we go. right? (laughs) Uh, Back in my day. (laughs) I'm already saying this, but the transfer portal didn't exist, right? Like, it was okay. you're at Purdue University. You're going to be at Purdue for four years. And if you did transfer, you'd have to basically sit out an entire year, um, depending on where you wanted to go. Um, but as far as my from, from wide receiver to tight end, it was you know, it, there, there was naturally going to be some hurdles. Um, they, they tried to play to my strength more times than not. That's what a good offensive coordinator typically would do, which at the time was John Shoup, who is currently coaching in the European Football League across overseas for this Ravens. who is he really? Yeah, yeah, which um, I just found that out not too long ago. Pretty active still, uh, in my network, relatively, anyways. Um, but one of the biggest hurdles I ran into when I was transferring from wide receiver to tight end was being super, super undersized in the Big Ten. Uh, me weighing, I think at a time when I was playing receiver, I weighed like probably 215, 220. And then you think about going up against a defensive end that weighs 280, 290 uh, at Ohio State or Penn State or whatever the case may be. So more more times now I was flexed out. Um, I wasn't I wasn't really holding down uh, the edge too much, luckily. Um, but putting on a bunch of weight, too, right? Like That was something that was different for me, too. So I went from about 215, 220 to up to 240 is what I, what I reached while I was, at ball, I was playing tight end so that part was a little bit difficult kind of understanding um i guess the the translation and in, in the terminology of an offensive lineman um and honestly it really made me appreciate offensive line significantly more because all the pass blocking and all that different type of stuff all the gap schemes and that type of stuff they have to deal with but also it made me understand the game to at a completely different level right because as a, as a receiver, then people say this, the further out from the football that you get, the less that they know about the game. Um, and as a receiver, you're trying to get open. You're trying to break somebody off and make a play. As a, as a tight end, you have to be aware of what's going on in the run game, and then you have to build off of that with the passing schemes as well. So it was different. It was tough in a lot of different ways. But, man, it, it was, again, like anything else, there's pros and cons to it. But the things that I took away from it, I think, were definitely beneficial in my career for sure, for sure.
0: And that's that's a really interesting perspective and uh and it uh makes me feel good because i you know kind of describe but i'm i'm trying to kind of bump my wife up to that next level of football knowledge you know like, that like right. you know sort of positional knowledge and that's why you know i explain tight ends to her it's like they they kind of have to be uh, linemen at some time they have to be receivers in some time and, and so uh it's good to hear you know from from an insider's perspective right. that that's a, that was a good way to describe it and um yeah i mean i i never really thought about it from you know the perspective of a receiver, receiver, not necessarily needing to know the blocking scheme, per se. I mean, it may be a beneficial thing, but it's maybe not a necessary thing. So that, um, I imagine that uh, that was a bit of a transition there. And you know, on the subject of transition, um, you know, we uh, transitioned into a new coach, um, that being Coach Hazel at the time you were at Purdue. Um, what were some of the immediate changes you saw and maybe some of the changes that happened uh, over time? And was there anything that was particularly hard to adjust to or anything you maybe didn't agree with in that transition?
4: Yes. Short answer is absolutely. <laughs> <good>. <laughs> I mean, after I mean, let's be honest, right? Like the the records, the records and the numbers are still in the books to this day. Like we had one of the worst seasons in the history of Purdue football. We went one and eleven during mm-hmm. our time at Purdue, and that was on the heels of going to back to back bowl games between the Heart of Dallas Bowl and then we went to the to the um, um, Little Caesars Pizza Bowl as well. So, mm-hmm. bro, I mean, it, it was extremely tough. Um, you go from a coach Hope who, who's a blue collar type of guy, hands on. I mean, the dude was literally an offensive line coach and he understands players and he understands how to talk to players. He wants to be that guy for for players and look out for us.
3: I've always um, heard he was a player's coach.
4: It, exactly. And it's, it's wild because people use that term all the time. Like, what is a player's coach, right? Like, you think that every coach would be a player's coach? But when you have contrasting coaches and they're back-to-back like that, then you really understand what the difference is between a player's coach and a coach who kind of wants to run a program as if they're kind of like a figurehead CEO-type business acumen type of, type of individual. Um, it's a lot more of a rigid structure. Um, I mean, some st- little little stuff is, as far as, like, pre-games with, with Coach Hope, you know, it's like every other locker room that you've ever been in. Guys listen to the music. Some guys are clowning around. Everybody's going to do it a little bit differently. When Coach Hazel stepped into the building, it was like, before the games, there's no music in the locker room. Like, you guys need to be focused on what you got going on. And that, although that may work for some folks, that's not – you know what I mean? Like, there's too many walks of life in this one locker room to to think that that way for this specific team. I mean, again, it may work for other teams, but for us, that just didn't – it didn't work because guys, you know, guys are going to want to get ready – different types of ways so there's a lot of different things that coach hazel brought to the table that were way different we weren't used to at all in the way that he ran a lot of things um and then you also come to the point too where when you go through a, tr- a coaching transition a lot of these guys i mean you've seen it now with Deion sanders and coach prime when i was going to colorado he's bringing his luggage his louis luggage which i thought was hilarious that like he had to throw the fact factory in there um he's bringing those folks with him and Coach Hazel, although he didn't bring guys from Akron to Purdue, he had different recruits and stuff like that that he thought, you know, were, were, were top-tier players and guys who are still my friends to this day. Um, but he wanted to put those guys in position to succeed because he basically had a on versus the old regiment. And a lot of times that's kind of what you end up seeing in college football. But um, that transition helped me, man. It helped me as a professional because you have to understand, you have to embrace the change, right, like anything in life. either You have to adapt and change. Or you're going to eventually be extinct and die. Right. So it was tough. Um, but you know, it it was something that definitely built some character to say the least. And actually this post, this poster right here has coach Hazel in our senior class on it. So I'm, I'm ever grateful for those, for those guys and those guys that were in the training during those times, for sure.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. And kind of, kind of going along with some of those, uh, some of those fun times, so to speak. Um, are there any kind of like funny stories like being in the locker room or during games or like just prepping for stuff that like you're willing to share, like anything that, you know, the, the general fan just doesn't get to see. Ooh,
4: man, there, there's, there's a lot of different things that kind of goes on between the guys. Um, man, there, there's this funny story. So this was right after when I got moved, this is more of a personal story, but it involves our entire tight end room at the Mm -hmm. time. So, I had just got moved to tight end. So Coach Hazel had just gotten there. He's like, hey, we got a couple other receivers that we like. I'm like, cool, whatever. Would, I'm just trying to contribute at this time. Again, transfer portal doesn't exist to the extent that it does today. <laughs> a lot of dudes would have just jumped in and been like, I'm out. Um, but he comes in and he's like, just a couple guys that we like. And I'm in, I'm a tight end now. Uh, in my tight end room is me, Justin Sins, who still coaches at Purdue to this day. Uh-huh. Um, Gabe Holmes. Uh, I think Delopo may have moved into the, to the tight end room with me as well. And a couple other younger guys, uh, Cole Herdman and these the other dudes. And Friday nights before games, like we're just college kids and we're like, okay, well, we're trying to kind of get our buzz on a little bit, right? Like we're just mm-hmm. chilling, whatever. But we're not gonna drink because obviously we have a game the next day. I, I had never, I had never done dip before, right? Like two the oh, no. So, so every Friday night we would go <laughs> to, the, to the team hotel. And finally one night they're like, Chuck, just try try the dip, man. Whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. I throw a chaw in. And this is the option. Yeah, you did. Day, I throw it in, and then I just start getting the spins. I'm like, bro, I don't know if I'm supposed to be feeling this way. Like, what's going on? I ended up throwing up and just getting absolutely like
2: just, um. just a
4: wicked, wicked sickness. I mean, again, it, it wore off by the next day. But like, as a dude who's had never done that before, why would I feel so confident to do that <laughs> night before a game? So, just the <laughs> that, be again, that that would take place night before games, man. It, it was fun stuff and.
1: That's hilarious. Hilarious. I uh, I remember. So yeah. I've only ever tried dip once, and uh, I remember I put in like the smallest piece, and I remember, dude, my mouth was like drooling from <laughs> just like all of the. I was like, what is happening? And then I and I had the same thing, you know, the spins, the whatever. I was like, never, <clears throat> never trying that again. So that's funny. I related to that a lot. 100%,
4: <laughs> man. It catches you off guard. You're like, I did not expect this little stuff to have this type of an impact. But I'm a big dude. Like, I'm 6'5". I weigh 200-some-odd pounds the time. I'm like, I'm good. I see people do this. All- people do this. People play baseball and, like, do. you know what I mean? I'm like, this can't yeah, be that yeah. serious. And it knocked me on my that's ass. Funny. I'm not going to lie. That's hilarious.
3: <laughs> So we talked a little bit about the uh, the Boiler Wish Foundation stuff like that, um, which is awesome. I love that we kind of like, I've always loved like Make-A-Wish Foundation. I've always thought that was awesome. I love the concept to it. Um, what kind of inspired you to bring that to, to Purdue and West Lafayette? And then um, can you tell us a little bit about like, what's your favorite wish that you've done or that's seen done? Absolutely. So English there.
4: (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) I got you. I'm I'm tracking with you. Um, So as far as the Boilermaker Wish Foundation, how it all even took place was every Monday night during our time we were at Purdue, we had FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I was in Mackey every week. Um, And so every week, you know, all of us are kind of mingling in there networking. Um, So myself, Courtney Moses, I believe, um carly mercer and then another carly so one volleyball player uh one women's basketball player and then i think the other carly was a diver or swimmer um uh, we all kind of started collaborating we, we just kind of put our brain our heads together and we're like you know boiler make a wish or make a wish foundation exists within mm-hmm. disney and then all these other organizations all you know are able to grant these wishes for these terminally ill um patients um so we're like what can we do to impact the west lafayette community in a similar capacity and so that's when we came up with the Boilermaker make Your wish foundation and that idea uh and then we actually went like basically school to school at the time again this was in 20 what 2013 2012 something like that it's been a while um damn almost 10 years ago wow um <laughs> yeah man I'm, I'm telling you time time started to, time starting to fly time flies bro, bro. It, it really does it really does so we basically went door to door to like these different schools. So like central Catholic, like Harrison, Jeff, all these different schools in typical new County. And we're dropping off these, these papers that were saying, Hey, if you have any students here that are, are interested in, in, you know, becoming active within uh, the Purdue athletic department, you know, we'd love to, to see them. And, and if they want to come to a Purdue football game or come to a women's basketball game or, or, um, you know, come watch swimming and diving one day, you know, put it in here. And then we'll, we'll start scrolling through these. and We'll try to make as many possible as we can. Um, that's kind of how it all got started. And then our fa- my favorite wish was, it might be our like OG number one wish, which was with DJ Bird. Um, we, oh, had a, cool. we, we had like a full-blown, we brought a kid in, um, and, and they got a full-blown tour of Mackie, um, of, of the whole practice facility. Um, and then I think that we actually had ended up giving the the student and then their parents as well tickets to a – um, a pretty basketball game as well. Nice. Um, nice. And honestly, shout out to Morgan Burke. Obviously, rest in peace. Um, great AD. But they were—I mean, he was one of the one of the the pioneers, one of the ones who was willing to jump in. Because again, we're just student athletes. We we had no—you know—we didn't pay for any of these things. These are just things that are are given to us through the athletic department. Um, and Morgan Burke was, was extremely generous and able to help us—you know—execute these different wishes, man. So, um, rest in peace for, to him. But that was definitely probably one of the best ones.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Is how cool that you guys thought of doing that when you know, like you said, this wasn't this isn't the era of the NIL and and all that right. stuff, and um and so you know this was really like just a genuinely like good-hearted like we just want to do this to be you know great people and um you know uh, help serve the community. Um, so I love that. I, I think that's so cool, and I think that just attests to the kind of people that Purdue brings in and. Um, you know, uh, the community that, you know, Purdue and the athletes are able to help create around the West Lafayette area. So, really cool. And then,
3: man. is there a, is, like, I'm obviously the foundation stuff is still running and things like that. Is there anywhere that anybody can, like, is there a way to donate for stuff like oh, that yeah. or yeah, help?
4: Yeah. Or? That's a great question. So, as of late, I'm not going to lie. So, once I graduated, I was, I'm still a little bit involved with it, right? But it's kind of tailored off a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, but that's definitely something that I, I do do definitely want to get my hands back involved with. Yeah. Uh, I really want to get it. Kind yeah, of I'm sure up. COVID
3: really oh, kind of threw a monkey wrench in all that. Yeah,
4: it did. It, it was tough, man. Because again, they don't want people that are outsiders coming into the facility. They have been tested, and you know th- things. Things things just change over time, right? Like mm-hmm. no different than how two days existed back in back in the day when, when we had Coach Hope as our guy. And as you progress, okay, we're going to dial it back. We're not going to do that because it doesn't make sense. No different than how COVID obviously spread through everything and now people yep. need to get tested and stuff. But definitely something I would be interested in in, in kind of picking back up. <clears throat> um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah.
3: Very cool. Yeah. Us, I think. Yeah. So, um,
5: continuing with things outside of just, you know, putting the jersey on for Purdue football, um, tell us about, you know, USA football and your involvement with them and um, what your role is with them and what you've kind of seen with that organization.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, USA football is the national governing body of the sport of football uh, in the United States. So, it's the same as USA basketball, USA gymnastics, USA track and field, um, all these different NGBs, but – we're not in the Olympics yet. So, as okay. far as the IOC, the uh, International Olympic Committee goes, and the USOPC, United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee goes, we are a member of both those organizations. Um, but our biggest push as of right now is to get flag football five on five in the Olympics in 2028 when it's in Los Angeles. Nice. Um,
3: nice. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, and that, that's big. That's our biggest push right now. We actually have a digital combine that's open. I just posted something about it. Um, on my Instagram and stuff like that. Um, and and we're, we're continuing trying to source athletes in, in as creative ways and resourceful ways as possible. Um, in my role as senior coordinator of football operations and in sports performance, the um, head of player personnel, I'm on the road. I, before I, I, before this past couple months, I've been on the road a lot at these different tournaments. I'm evaluating players, I'm evaluating coaches. Uh, I'm trying to put together the top 40. Again, it's not just myself. It's me and a handful of folks, but putting together this roster of the best athletes, women and men, um, and then bringing them to our trials, shaving the team, and then inter- competing in these international events. So this past year, um, we went to the what was called the World Games not Birmingham. Not in, Birmingham. Yep, yep. in Birmingham, Alabama. Yep, yep. Um, how you know about the? Did, did you did you follow that at all? You kind of got excited. Well, kind of.
5: So I listened to a uh, morning show. It's called Rick and Bubba, and it's out okay. of Birmingham, Alabama. So, and then okay. my, my wife and I love Birmingham. We've been down there a couple of times. So yeah, I, I, we were Amazing. down there in March, and they were posting banners like 106 days to the World World Games, and then so they were on the morning show. They were talking about flag football and sumo wrestling and all that yes. stuff. Yes, so,
1: that's awesome, yeah. man.
5: Yeah.
4: I tell you what, man. First off, Birmingham, it caught me by surprise because yeah. i had never been i never even been to the state of alabama before and we touched down in to birmingham and people are like oh are you you guys are here for, for the world games and, and people are just showing love and i'm like dude this is great um no but it was incredible and then you mentioned sumo wrestling sumo wrestling was without <laughs> a doubt the most entertaining live event that mm-hmm. i've ever witnessed in my entire life
1: that's awesome like, nice it's, it's everything
4: that you would expect it to be, but then also they have like the lighter weight classes too so it's like it's like dudes that are a little bit skinnier. They're not like the big body like dudes that look like the traditional sumo wrestlers that you would think about.
1: Yeah, right. Um,
4: <laughs> and they're getting after it, dude. So I mean, it, it's nice. it's it's pure entertainment. Um, and a lot of those teams are on the docket to be getting into the Olympics, right? So that's basically what the World Games was. It's almost like a testing ground yeah. for the next uh, potential Olympic uh, level sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went there, and then our men's our men's national team. We won gold. We beat Italy in the gold medal game. Nice. Um, and then our women's team, um, we actually lost to the women's Mexico national team. And I don't know how, how closely you guys follow NFL on Twitter or anything like – or on Instagram or Twitter, but they are blowing up the, the, the Mexico women's national team. And those women are incredible. They, they play an incredible game and an incredible style of football. Um,
5: okay. They honored them like, at the NFL game in Mexico, right? Like they brought they, them they, out. I remember seeing they that.
4: They did. They did. And actually, <laughs> not even just that, and they now have global ambassadors um, – and like they brought a bunch of those women and men overseas to like the London game and then the game that was in Munich and all these other places. So, oh, nice! Oh, wow. Um, yeah. and that's kind of what, what our job is too, a little bit at USA Football, is to grow the game globally. Right. Um, so we had we had World Games this past uh, summer, and then this time last year, actually in December, we were in Israel for the wow. World Championships. So World Games is like a mini Olympics. World mm-hmm. Championships is put on by IFAF, which is the interface. International Federation of American Football, um, and we actually we double golded when we were there. So our women's team nice. beat Mexico, and our men's team beat Mexico. That's nice. Yeah. So then when we came back to the World Games this summer, the women's team came back. The women's Mexico team came back with a vengeance <laughs> and Ended up beating us. Uh, but, that, but that's kind of that, That's really what my my main stuff is with USA Football. Is it's surrounded by the national team. I do stuff with clubs uh, as well, kind of on the side as well. Uh, some community outreach and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm enjoying it. I really am fortunate to be in the position that I am for sure.
5: Good. Good. That's awesome. 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 Um, so along with your thoughts that you provided on USA football, and I'm sure you follow Purdue football just as strongly um, being sure. at the Big Ten Championship game, what are your yes. thoughts with the current program and Babinski and, you know, I know we might be looking at another transition, but just kind of your thoughts about where the program is at and what you've loved seeing it, seeing go mm-hmm. on with it, that kind of stuff.
4: I mean, I think that like majority of alumni and the majority of fans, it's one of the best times. It's just such an exciting, exciting time to be a Boilermaker fan, right? And an alumni, and, you know, for us to be able to have that national recognition. So for my job, I travel a lot and I'm always, I always have a P on my book bag or I wear a Purdue hat or something like that. And that P is more and more recognizable and they're starting to get more and more recognition. People obviously knew, have known Purdue, but more places that I go, the more boilers that I'm starting to run into. And I mean, we went to the Dominican last year and we landed in the DR and some dude was like Purdue. And I'm like, yeah, of course. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I love it, man. And I think that that is largely in part to just the culture around Purdue athletics and how it's changed. Um, And then again, from, Athletic director to athletic director, it's important for you to be progressive and for you to embrace the change and not, you know, shy away from it and something and I think something as small as like a uniform that that's a really good way to kind of gauge how the program is changing and stuff like that. Like when it was back in our day, we got we got the black helmet finally, and we were like over the (laughs) moon geeked up this past year, I guess technically probably the year before last, it might have been two years ago. But the all-white Stormtrooper helmets that had the freaking um, – Yes, the
3: moon staff, The NASA uniform. Oh,
4: my gosh. Gold those face, were like – man, like, man, like I, I, those are some of the coolest, cleanest things that I've ever seen in, in a long time. And I think you have to have an athletic director who supports that type of thing. And I think in today's day and age, if you don't have that, then you're going to be lacking, lacking
3: behind. Yeah. Oregon not- really set the trend with that, and you kind of have yeah. to – have to run with it i mean exactly. you don't have to have 62 different uniform combos after four years but like at the end of the day if you've got some helmets some uniforms stuff like that like just something to get like just build hype and things like that you know
4: 100 percent. and they've done a tremendous job just embracing that not shying away from it and saying hey if we're, we're willing to switch up the uniform and we're willing to do x y and z because that's what you know that's what a the cool (laughs) cutting edge athletic departments are doing in order to have to required
3: to do. Yeah.
4: Right. I mean, it's, I mean, essentially it's an arms race, right. Keeping up with the
3: Joneses. Exactly. Exactly.
4: So, and and I, I mean, I can't, I can't say hats off enough to those folks because, and I know that that's not an easy job because there's always a million folks that have input in what you should and shouldn't do and everything else. But I mean, look at, look at the success that we've had, right? Like we've, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that our football program was going to be competing for a Big Ten championship against an undefeated Michigan team, a majority of people would have been like, "No way, right?" Like, yeah. so yeah. right. Hats off to that group because they're doing a tremendous
2: job for sure.
5: How excited well, are you for the uh, tunnel in the new student section?
2: Ooh, that'll be nice.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good. I'm question.
2: geeked.
4: I, I mean, like geek doesn't even work. So when I was so when I was in where was I at? Oh, so so this past what was it? Thursday or something like that, we had a little alumni mixer here in Fishers. And I've seen so many mock-ups of, like, the different stadiums at this point. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm coming back this past season. I'm thinking, did they do anything to the south end zone yet? I don't know. And then, so I met with Jay, who was with the John Purdue Club. He finally showed me the tunnel uh, this past week. And I was like, dude, this is crazy. I think he said something like 45-point-something wow. mil to, to get it complete. But I'm like, that's a, that's that's it, like – it's worth it it's
1: gonna be sick so i have this hope and a dream um with that tunnel so you know a lot of guys or a lot of schools uh, they have like their iconic entrances like we're all trying to go to the virginia Technic game next year because we all want to be a part of inner sandman when the team's coming out and you know when purdue plays them and that's it's just going to be a really awesome experience and so i've got this hope and dream that when we get that tunnel uh built that next year when the team's coming out, they're all in the tunnel. They're, you know, they're bumping into each other. They're getting fired up. And all of a sudden you just hear a thunder by ACDC come on, except whenever they're like thunder, the whole crowd goes boilers. I like that. I like like, that. You're
4: giving giving me chills right now, bro. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just imagine like That's very specific. I love it. You're like 65,000, 70,000 plus people just all chanting that and the whole crowd like jumping around and stuff. You know, we'll, we'll work on the third quarter. When that gets there, we'll work on, you know, something to replace Shout. But for now, that's my that's my dream.
4: Hey, I love it. I'm here for it. I'm curious. I mean, Dylan might know. So when we we're, we're at the game, they did the one, two, three, four, first down chant. And then they did, like, a remix. There's like, an add-on to it. I'm like – I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, who do they talk to to get these? Because I, I didn't know that there was a, a remix and an add-on. I'm like, whoever they yeah. talk to, you need to just pitch to them that exact chant that you just gave to us because that would be sh- – just
2: fire, like that would be yeah. so lit. Yeah, kids imagine behind like you it's a... giving you lessons on the whole chant. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, I
4: turned around, I was like, "Wait, what was that?" After the one, two, three down, first like what? And the kid was like, yeah, "He oh, looks at me, and
2: like, I said, listen, 'Listen, I'm not in the dancing thing. I don't know. Don't look, don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> I don't know.'
1: But then, like, imagine too, like it's a night game, and then when it's like thunder, the the lights do they just flash?" Thunder. It would be. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it would <laughs> yeah, be. insane. We need to I don't we know, need to
0: connect you with the uh, the person that like coordinates these things. Yeah, like, just exactly. give a, No, well, for real. Babinski, if
2: you're
1: <laughs> listening, like, just let me know. We'll talk.
2: No. <laughs> of course he's listening. Someone get yeah. on this ASAP. Number one listener. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so back on the uh, topic of uniforms, what was your favorite uniform set while at Purdue? Like you said, uh, they introduced the black helmets when you were there. I think – do they do the black helmets in the American flag, stripe? Yes, yes, they yeah. did. memory. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So what was your favorite uniform set while at Purdue? Mm.
4: Man, I, I had a, I had a really, really big like, – I had a big crush on the all black, right? I think that oh, – yeah. like, just because, again, that was a brand-new helmet for us. It was matte black. Like, we've been asking for that helmet forever. Like, Purdue had only had a gold helmet up until that point. Mm. I right, take the back there was there was one like way 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 before. early
3: nineties yeah like yeah. 93 94 late 80s yeah. something like
4: that yeah there was one like way before them but like then they brought it back so I was in love with the black helmet but on the road the all-white was super super clean um love the storm tro- stormtrooper look we didn't have a white helmet at the time but the all-white was super clean but then to be honest with you to this day I still think that my my all-time favorite I'm like a traditionalist to some extent I like mm-hmm. the gold lid the black jersey and the black pant or the gold pant, like, yeah. Yeah. just because that's Purdue to me, right? Like, grew up watching Justin Siller and and Joey Elliott, um, and I, I mean, really, because that's why when I committed, right? Like, I committed right after, or my junior year of high school. So and that's when I really started to look at Purdue a little bit more, and I was like the Joey Elliott, uh, the mm-hmm. Corey Sheets, um, you know, those type of dudes. So and they they were they were giving dudes the business in the black and the and the gold lid with the black uh, jersey with the gold pants. So. Whenever we put that right. on, I just felt like an OG and I was like, okay, th- th- I like rocking that. So to this day, I, I was love it. i a huge
3: fan of the white helmet with the with the new Purdue train logo with mm. the number on the other side. That uh, was yeah. that was my favorite yes. helmet. I love that, yeah, that helmet. was fire.
4: Whenever for some reason, whenever I think of that combo, I think of Danny Anthrop. Just because <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> the Illinois Kursky. game, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. I think, right.
3: a- think Appleby hits uh, hits Danny on like a screen and he busts it for like sixty eight yards.
4: Okay, yeah, then that's probably yeah. what it was. For some reason, like that, but yeah, I love that. I love that white helmet with the new train and then the number on the side. I think it wore at Michigan State <clears> as well, but that was the year after I graduated. I was so just yeah. the white mm-hmm. legs.
2: The ones now. now so you are...
0: never wore you never wore the neon green
4: P logo, did
0: you? Yeah, was we did. You? So we so okay. we actually
4: we we wore that um like the hammer down cancer, we wore mm-hmm. that yeah.
3: Michigan State
4: Michigan State yes, Yeah Michigan, State. Michigan State Where you came Rock back Rose. from
3: 21 twice Oh
4: my gosh yeah what a God, that man.
1: game was nuts
4: just comes and trucks that dude on the and man
3: that was one I think BJ Kanoff broke his collarbone
4: Yes oh my yeah. gosh you hey, you're mentioning all <laughs> the names man I, BJ I freaking missed that kid man whatever he's up uh,
2: man, That's awesome You bring
4: back all the good memories Yeah no but uh, that was that was that goal or that uh that neon was just <laughs> killer i still have those socks in my dresser uh <laughs> that's cool <laughs> nice but yeah, but
2: i, I mean, always like the Taylor era helmet too the white stripe with the black in the middle yeah and then the classic motion p they brought well the rose bowl helmet's my all-time favorite like that one oh, that course. rose p's motion yeah. p logo just perfect yeah if we are, if purdue ever makes it back to a rose bowl i hope they bring it back because yeah. that would Definitely.
4: be it, i mean they cool. have to right
2: oh right. yeah i think i think it's a law I, were were you there when they wore the uh rose bowl throwbacks
4: Oh man, I remember. I feel like I went to like who did they, who did they play? Was that? I don't who did they, who they play that
3: game. Was it Minnesota? It was Minnesota. Okay, it was, yeah. was that the rain out game where yeah. there was like a? Uh, wasn't there a rain delay? And that was the Jawan Bentley pick six Juwan game. Bentley picks. Yes. picks okay. six. No, this yeah, was yeah, actually, way picks.
2: before that. This was. Uh,
3: oh, or the Rob Henry game. Rob Henry. That's who. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Oh, which? Oh man, I'm sure.
4: I'm
1: sure. Was I that
3: against that. Indiana? No, I, I maybe it was I, Minnesota again. I still think it's Minnesota. It, you, yeah. I would,
1: I wish they would have worn the uh the throwbacks at the Big Ten w- uh, when they played Michigan last week. That would have been a really cool touch been, to like Minnesota go back City. to the yeah. the Big Ten championship year. That would be,
4: that would be cool. cool. But hey, that Michigan team is tough, man. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, like, just tough, bro. Like shit. Yeah. There's a reason I, they haven't lost the game
1: this year, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so it was like every head. time sorry, uh I, uh, every time JJ McCarthy would like go scramble out of the pocket, I'm like, oh sweet, we've got him. He's running on, he's on his heels, like, and then every he time, bomb. It's like time. he he did his best work running out of the pocket, and I was like, yeah. yeah, right.
3: But we couldn't afford to drop anybody out of coverage to blitz him. Like that was the worst part. Yeah,
2: you should have seen Charles in his in his chair, man. He was about ready to go out there, put on a helmet. <laughs> he was about ready. We were in the upper no, robe man. He's about to ready right to run up. down there.
3: We we're gonna find some eligibility. <laughs> He he was
2: right. he was busy he was busy with his daughter and his wife making <laughs> bottles during the game. But damn it, I could see it in his eyes that he wanted to run down there and put on a helmet. I, I really
4: know. did. I'm not gonna lie, I really did. But I was like, yeah. you know what? I can't do shit. These guys got
2: lie. <laughs> <laughs> these, these guys well, nowadays, man, it's it's nuts how much no. they put in and how much the program puts into their health and wellness and yeah. And, and the well, new that's the other part of the and,
3: renovation that team the team restaurant nutrition facility Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah
4: see i haven't even seen all the ins and outs i haven't seen all the ins and outs of it yet but i didn't even know that they were doing doing all that extra stuff like Mm -hmm. i'm not surprised by it but i'm super excited to see Yeah, where the team
3: store is on the north end of ross aid that's all turning into like a team nutrition facility wow
4: that's awesome dude that's great i love that
2: so maybe if they go to a smaller team store, my wife won't take me to the cleaners in the gift shop. So maybe <laughs> maybe it's a win-win situation. We know yeah. who's
3: taking who to the cleaners <laughs> in the gift shop. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: just look behind you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, that's true. I can't hey. talk. <laughs> uh, so when you look at the roster now, who, like what young talent at Purdue, you look at the mock Bs, the AOCs, even though he's graduating, uh, who on the roster now really piques your interest for the future uh, the next three, four, or five years of, of Boiler football.
4: Absolutely. I mean, so you look at, like, a player like Mockaby, right? A walk-on kid, unorthodox running style, but extremely, extremely effective. Like, pivotal pivotal to our success, to be honest with you, Toward, towards the end of this this year without mm-hmm. question. Like, he came out of nowhere. I loved that. So I'm excited to see how he progresses through uh, the next couple of years. Um, but also, man, like, the receiver in me, there's two kids that are in that room that I really, 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 really like. Um, Preston Terrell. So he actually went to Brownsburg high school, oh, cool. um, straight baller kid, great kid. Um, super, super shorthanded. I mean, you see what Charlie Jones is able to do. Um, you know, I love Preston for that reason, because again, I, I've been able to see what he was able to do at Brownsburg. And I love that. Um, another receiver that I really like is Colin Sullivan. Um, so Colin, so Colin played for the U S national team as well. Oh, um, okay. oh, cool. yeah, he, played for, he played for our, our national, I think it was our U 16 team. Um, a while back, obviously. But again, another great kid, great head on his shoulders, um, super positive and, and ready to commit like to, to the grind and to the work part of it. Right. So I'm excited to see what that what that receiver room continues to do, because, you know, we're 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 synonymous with producing these type of athletes. We're turning into wide receiver you as far as I'm concerned, which I love to say, because yeah. obviously having been a former wide receiver, um, it's just fun to say. But. With the, with the Rondell Moores and the Bells and the, and the Sizzles and everybody else. like God, I'm always, I'm, I'm always, still,
3: I'm still like a big step toe guy. Like, I love that kid. I think he's going to yeah. be decent. I feel like yeah. he has the potential to do that Rondell Moore because he's so fast. He runs like 4 4 He's got Sp- that oh, like yeah, shiftiness right in him and he can, his route running is so crisp that I think he's going to end up being, he's going to do some good. I think that this year he just, there's so much ahead of him. That he just didn't have the spot, especially with Sizzle and some of those guys that he just didn't have the room to get in. But I think next right. year he can begin. Right. So, be good.
4: Right. That, that, that's almost like a that, that's kind of why the transport was turning into what it is, right? It's like yeah. sometimes there's just not enough bandwidth to be able to get everybody touches. Like,
3: yep. And you got so many years.
4: Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. You only got so many years of eligibility to, 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 get your, to get your tape so that you can potentially yeah. go to the next level. So. Yeah. But yeah, those kind of my picks, I'd say.
1: Yeah, and and so before we uh, transition to talking about like the Big Ten title game and kind of getting into a recap of that, um, earlier on Twitter today I just asked everybody or just uh, people in general just to share your favorite but most obscure Purdue football memory because I feel like a lot of people are going to say like the 2018 Ohio State game, uh, talk about the, the Drew Brees era, you know, the the Rose Bowl, all that good stuff. But I wanted to like – really get into just something that you remember from like, you know, when you first started going to Purdue or you, when you were a kid and kind of, you know, hearing stuff about that. Um, so a couple of really cool responses here, um, you know, Donnie Hale who actually played a little bit of basketball at Purdue uh, back in the early 2010s uh, said Raheem Mostert's 99 yard kickoff return for a touchdown in the 2011 little Caesars uh, bowl. Ooh, that was uh, a good one. Hell yeah. Yeah. was yeah. One of his memories. Um and then, it was 99
3: uh, yards, but he ran like 120. That dude was all over the field. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Comeback he's had too off injury. I mean, he's man. Yeah. I oh love watching goodness. him play.
1: Yeah, it was, and he was in the Super Bowl what two, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was uh,
4: AFC man. MVP of the championship game when he was with the 49ers, what, like two years ago or yeah. something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Crazy stuff. Um and and then we've got somebody's brought up uh a boiler in the ville uh, i believe uh brought up 1999 against number five michigan state so uh they were obviously heavy heavily favored in that game plaxico burris was on the team caught a touchdown mm-hmm. early and was showboating in the end zone talking all sorts of smack and then purdue came back to beat them 52 to, to 28 so handed them their their first loss of the season um and you know i think that was that was when uh saban was there at michigan state right
0: when was yeah, it had to be
1: 99. 99
4: I don't know maybe that's I a good question when,
1: I think so um uh, and then uh Frank mentioned uh Danny yeah. Anthrop dabbing after uh, catching a touchdown against IU <laughs> <laughs>
4: any <laughs> Anthro moment is like is a top moment for me man I love that whole family man the They're first family awesome.
2: of Purdue athletics
3: I yeah, can no. confirm Shaven <laughs> <Saban laughs> was the coach in 1999
1: at Michigan State nice um yeah. And then uh, uh, another one, uh, Travis Dorsch having a field goal uh, blocked back in his face, uh, and then he proceeded to take the ball and throw a touchdown pass against UCF. Uh, so I'm not sure what year that was, but I don't even really remember that, honestly, but that sounds like uh, a pretty crazy uh, moment to, to reflect on. So that's, that's a pretty cool moment because I feel like that's just one of those, like, how did that happen uh, kind of moments. Um, the 09 9 uh, game against OSU, beating, uh, upsetting them at ross number seven OSU or, uh, at, the, at the time. Um, I was at that game. Favorite Purdue game to date. And then Ke- Ryan Kerrigan was a monster, was just uh, destroying people on the defensive end. So <coughs> um, that's so, like, I know it's not underrated because we have the den of defensive ends, but, man, I feel like Purdue's defense is just the guys that we've produced and taken to the NFL. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just the list is so long and it's just wild um we've got let's see here oh yeah the seth morales holy toledo catch that's always a great one um uh larry kaminsky actually who i believe uh possibly played football at purdue um in 1965 beating the the domers or the domers at home and getting ranked number one in the next (laughs) week what's that wow what was that russ wow
5: no, you said Domers.
1: I was just, like, reacting to this. Oh, sorry. Um, I know we don't like then, Notre
5: Dame, but that's a little rough. <laughs>
1: well, he put uh, – he put uh, he spelled D-O-M-E-R-S, so I didn't know if that was Domers or, or mm. how, uh, how that was spelled. And then I put the uh, – in 2008, the, the hook and ladder – or the catch and ladder against uh, yeah. Michigan. Yes. Um,
4: oh, yes. That's that was great. the last
1: – that was the last Purdue game I went to with my grandpa before he quit getting season tickets, and I remember um, – yeah, that game was that was a shootout. Uh, yeah. I think that was when Rich Rodriguez was the yep. coach. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, Purdue yeah, pretty one up of my favorite
3: ones was probably two thousand four, the ninety nine yard touchdown to I think it was Taylor Stubblefield.
1: Ooh, yeah, uh,
3: against Notre Dame.
1: Nice at Notre
3: Dame Stadium.
4: There's so many good ones, man. Like I know, I love it. Yeah, it brings so much, so much nostalgia. I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Russ, uh, Dylan, did you guys have any off the top of your head, any like obscure – it doesn't have to be obscure, but just like any just random favorite moment you've had from Purdue football in in your time?
5: Um, So this year just being, you know, a fan through, you know, growing up in the Tiller era and then seeing what happened with Hope and Hazel and then how it's kind of (coughs) turned around here and then going to the season opener this year against Penn State was just like one of the most awesome atmospheres to be like – Dude, this is Purdue football now. Like we've, you know, this is this is this is what I, you know, how loud that place was, and then when Chris Jefferson had that pick six, I mean, I don't know if I've experienced a louder moment in Ross. State personally, that place was
3: bananas. So Russ and I actually were at the game together, and that place was insane. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. That was an incredible moment, man. I mean, the fact that we're going toe to toe with these with these. I mean, and that's the thing is, that's what we do as boilermakers, right? Like,
2: yeah. it's,
4: it, to me, it's no longer a surprise because I remember this time last year, I think we beat number eight, and this is this is in basketball. I know you're getting ready to transfer basketball here soon, but we beat number eight, and we beat number fifteen. Our women's volleyball team was on like the biggest win streak since 2011, and then our 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 men's their, our our football team ended up you know becoming bowl eligible that same week or something like that. Like, yeah. and then obviously this year, you know, with us beating Gonzaga, with us beating Duke. And then with us winning the yeah. West, it's just yeah. like, this is something that, you know, as as, as true Boilermakers, as folks who follow the program and the athletic department as a whole, <laughs> you start to be like, okay, this is who we are now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we got to start embracing this.
3: Yeah. Um, and, like, and we've not, been not through be the pain. Stop. It's time to start to celebrate the fun. Exactly. hundred percent.
4: Right. Because <laughs> I still did,
3: think that a lot of the fan base is like on that kind of teetering edge of like, when does it go bad? When does it go course.
4: bad? Yeah yeah
1: yeah absolutely so um kind of transitioning now into talking about the the big 10 title game you know what a what an atmosphere um you know sold out game uh you know obviously it was a little bit heavy michigan but that's probably because 90 percent of those people probably bought their tickets the day that they they went for sale like when the season started um because you know they they had that expectation and that hope um you know to be there Um, but from what i saw and heard honestly the purdue showing and you know they were you guys were a rowdy bunch there i i I was hoping to to go to the game but wasn't able to um but just you know and anybody can can hop in to start but just general thoughts on on the game uh, as a whole and you know everything i would love to hear everybody's takes on it
3: i think that i i definitely think that going into half down
1: one I was like
3: okay cool like like I feel good like I'm freaking out I'm I'm good like I'm I'm definitely not having a stroke right now like yeah this is good (laughs) and then like honestly it was just like like two or three plays in the second half I'm like son of a like (laughs) damn it man like come on you know Mm -hmm. but like honestly it was just like like I had a I had a party or whatever here watching the game and it was just Like, I know everybody's like, oh, it's just fun to be there. But like after after a one in 11 season, nine wins in four years, like like it was it was cool to be like, you know what? We've reached a a milestone that we really wanted to be in. And the first time we've been there and and it definitely felt like a first time to be there, but it's not going to be our last.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, uh, kind of before that game, though, just us, you know, qualifying to be in that game after we beat IU. I remember uh, I think it was Russ had called our we have like a Facebook group chat going and he called the group chat and and Chris and I answer. And I remember we're all freaking out. I was like and I, I had just put my daughter to bed. So I was like literally like still in the room and everything. And I was like, let's go. Let's
3: go let's go
1: like just you know getting so hype and just we were all talking about how just vindicating it was like we're here and nobody's going to take this away from us and i can't imagine i mean how that feels as a player you know let alone uh, a fan but will for, yeah uh,
3: we'll forever have that trophy in our trophy game
1: absolutely right See,
2: and that was i went my wife and i went to the uh, iu game in bloomington and after the game when they not only bring the bucket which we've kept the last few years but they not only bring the bucket, but they bring the Big Ten West trophy. Like I I I got choked up a little bit, I'm not gonna lie. And a few emotions because of that. But man, it yeah, it was so cool. Not a single Purdue person left the stadium yet. Like we were the only ones there. Uh, and there was a ton of us too. Like we had a really good turnout no uh, there in Bloomington. <sighs> yeah. But to I, watch was, the there the, I was there when the I was there when the, the
3: team came back to the uh, football complex. And like they were like very appreciative that we like there was like a group of fifty or a hundred of us, but like they were still like very like you could tell how hyped they were that we welcomed them back to yeah. to West Lafayette.
1: Heck yeah, yeah. So but I'm, the, I'm gonna, Sorry, go ahead.
0: I was going to say for the yeah, so for the for the two uh, that are uh, with us right now who are at the game, um, you know, what was the atmosphere like? I know they on TV they they showed a lot of Michigan fans. Um, uh so what was the split like and you know what was just the overall
4: atmosphere like
0: at the at the game
4: it was it was electric i mean so and i'll I'll take it even one step further so with me being at usa football one of the other things i do aside from my national team stuff is i do a lot of like the community outreach and stuff so i was actually at the fan fest running a bunch of different clinics throughout the day um and every freaking group that would come by i'd be like all right now make some noise you think that the you think that purdue's gonna win crickets make some noise if you think that michigan's gonna win and of course all these all these kids that are just going through the clinic are like yeah yeah so it was it was heavy it was definitely heavy michigan i think that the fan fest and like all those festivities before the game are naturally going to be michigan just because they probably traveled from out of state um they're trying to find something to do for the day and and (laughs) us you know we're from here so we have friends and stuff around it's an hour (laughs)
3: drive yeah
4: Right, right. So um, but I mean aside from that, man, it was incredible. I thought the black and gold was, was incredible. It it was nice to, to be around a group of Purdue fans that were equally as passionate, you know. Um, but I mean that that, that atmosphere was wild. It it was crazy, man. Like a sold out Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis with our Purdue Boilermakers playing for the ship, like there's nothing mm. I mean, you, you yeah, that, that's the atmosphere that you really I've always wanted to be in right. So yeah. it was incredible,
1: man. Right. So watching from home, um, the the hype videos that they played right before the teams both came out. Oh yeah, we saw
2: those. In the – yeah, they played those. Oh, in did
1: the they video. play them inside too? Oh yeah. my god! Inject that into my veins. I, yeah, <laughs> I
3: Literally.
1: was. I mean, it made it made Purdue feel like a legit contender like they were supposed to be there and, and we all believe that they were supposed to be there but man it was awesome to see that on that national stage uh yep. dude just and then i was like dang i was like purdue needs to might need to invest in a dome because like all the lights the fire the yeah was right. it awesome like
2: my favorite venue for a football it's game so too, good. you know and and purdue had a pretty good turnout it wasn't as much as michigan but man like I know that all the people, you know, Charles and I were sitting around were rowdy and uh, there's a few young guns next to me and behind Charles who were, I don't think sat down the entire game. Good for them. Yeah, The students did a <laughs> hell of a job, you know, right. as, as uh, the offense came out for the first drive and and they started the uh, AOC chant. That nice, was a cool awesome. moment. That was a really cool Great moment coach. to get on them for that. It was just, I think Purdue had a really good showing and fan wise and, and, it was rowdy on our corner. I mean, I can tell you that much.
4: Definitely. And to Dylan, to Dylan's point too, hats off to all the Ross aid brigade members that watch this podcast or hear anything. They do an incredible job. Mm. I mean, like they're behind our guys. They're locked in the whole freaking time. And they're, they're just bringing the juice. like So shout out to Ross A. Brigade because sure. they, they they do a big and they did a great job this past week. Yeah, they, they
5: brought it all year. I mean, that was part of the right. Penn State experience was walking up the stadium and seeing the line go down the street away from the stadium. It was past like, carry. It was, like, it was crazy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: Yeah, no, I was – I mean, from my perspective, I was the same way. I couldn't believe we were, you know, in the game the way that we were um, because as much as we, you know, got hyped and knew we belonged there – you know they Michigan beat Iowa 42 to three last year in that game. So it was kind of like let's keep it competitive. Right. But we put together six scoring drives. We scored we put many scoring drives together is what they did. And really it was just it just came down to not being able to punch it in the end zone yep. for that score to be way different than what it ended up being. So yes. yeah I'm I'm definitely proud of that team. And I, I was telling these guys that if if you sit there every week and scrapped your records, scrapped the rankings, scrapped AP <laughs> and just started from scratch, I don't think there's any way you wouldn't put us as a top 25 team after seeing the effort we put together against Michigan, like 100%. So I agree. that's just the way I felt after it. So,
4: Let me propose a question then real quick. So we were – I mean, we handled Michigan the way that we did. How much better is Michigan than LSU, and what do you guys think that we're going to do
1: against LSU? <clears throat> Honestly – um, You know, I think that might even be a segue into talking about something else, too, because I really think the way that the LSU game goes depends on how some things unfold um, in the next few days. Um, You know, uh, I was thinking about that earlier. Um, You know, if uh, a certain coach leaves um, and, you know, whether or not they choose to coach in the game, um, I think is a huge part of that, Um, just because I think that Brom brings a certain just intensity you know, um, and does a great job just leading the team. Um, so I, I think they will be ready to play. I think they will be excited, but I'm also nervous that, you know, let's say worst case scenario, coach Brom does leave. Um, I'm worried about what players are going to immediately jump in a transfer portal or, or follow him to whatever school, um, the uh he may go to um or what players just may you know sit out i I don't think to me this year i don't think there's any players that are like i'm gonna sit out for not that we don't have any guys that are nfl ready i just think that this team's a little different than maybe last year's with there's not like a necessarily like a david bell or a or a or george carloftis on the on the team that you know is preparing to go into the nfl so um i I don't (laughs) think that there's going to be anybody that sits out from the game um for that reason um but yeah, so for me, I think that it, it depends on how those cards kind of play out. Um, but I think if if we're commit, I think if man on the opposite end, if, if he's like, no, nah, I'm committed to Purdue, I'm staying here. I think that's just gonna send through the roof. I mean, I'm gonna be through the roof yeah. uh, watching all the way back here in Indiana, just yeah. the the hype and the the loyalty and the dedication. Because um, that's not something that not the not to a knock on Coach Braum at all because he's very loyal. Very dedicated guy but just that's not a, a Norman in college athletics right now it's all about where can you go find the money where's you know <laughs> you know lincoln riley jumping from oklahoma to usc um great example of that and so i yeah i think if we have our yeah if we have our <laughs> if we have our same coach i think this team is juiced and ready to go i think it'll be a good game if we don't have our same coach i i don't know uh, i'm really I, I really don't know but I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on that, too.
0: Well, I think awesome. my take is, um, you know, we, we were talking about how much we're losing um, this year. You know, we have, we have a lot of seniors. Um, <clears throat> but I think uh, I think for that reason, um, you know, this is more or less their last hurrah, at least at the, at the college level. Um, uh, and, you know, looking at LSU on paper and all the games they've lost, they haven't uh, covered good receivers very well. Um, with, the, with the exception of Alabama kind of being the one exception there. So um, I think it's a closer game than the, well, I think it's six and a half point spread right now. Um, and part of that, you know, I, I, I do have my tickets for the game. So <laughs> I'll, I'm hoping, uh, hoping for yes, the sir. Purdue win for sure.
3: Definitely. Yeah, I definitely think it could be another like last second field goal type game. I think that LSU is good, but I think that Purdue's not going to back down. I mean, We've seen that pretty much. Other than two games this year, everybody that we've gone up against, we're like, "Nah, we're gonna, we're gonna fight, we're gonna play," and I think that's that is a lot of a testament to what Coach Brom has created for a culture around the program. It's a never back down mentality, and I think that it's gonna, it's definitely gonna play effect into into a bowl game, especially if he stays. But I think. <clears throat> I think a lot of these guys have character, and a lot of these guys have um, um, a self, uh, self-respect self for themselves that even if Brom does leave, they're still going to do their damnedest, and they're going to fight and continue to play, and um, the integrity of the team is still going to be like, you know what, we still represent the P,
1: and we're going to go out and fight. Yeah um i'm interested to see so with uh spencer holstage going into the transfer portal big part of our offensive line right. um hu- huge part of our offensive line to be honest um i think malachi i don't remember how you say his last name i think it's prasciato um he's kind of going to be filling in that role um or at least that's what i, un- I understood nick Carway tweeted you know if, if anybody can do it why not uh you know uh uh prasciato and um so I'd be I mean that's huge man you're you're a freshman you're coming in you haven't started a game yet and I I, honestly I'm not sure if he's gotten any reps in so what a what a stage to to make your mark what a stage to come in there and just punch another team in the mouth and say like you know my name's Malachi Prasciato and I'm here to you know kick ass and and take names um so you know uh hopefully he sees it that way too I, I would probably be a little bit puckered right now if I was him, but that's why I'm not um, in college playing, you know, uh, D1 football. So, uh, yeah.
5: Yeah, I think, um, you know, last year we we went against a pretty heralded SEC team that we didn't have a chance against. And, you know, we had our top two receivers not there, a couple defenders not there, but it came down to the fact that we were able to protect AOC and he threw it all over the yard. And so I think that's what it comes down to is if we can protect him, Without Holstige and without Hartwig and some of these guys, that I think AOC is going to give us a shot because it's you know his last hurrah you know and he's got quite the storyline you know quite the background right now to be playing for and so I think I think it could be huge but yeah if, if Brahms not there you know his whole staff is like guys he's been with so what's our staff look like are we going to get Drew Brees to come in and be a <laughs> coach like Jeff Saturday like you know what that's that's going to be huge because it's not just you know Brahms related to half the guys in the coaching room. Like it seems like. So it's not right, it's right. not a normal situation where Coach leaves. It's okay, how does he leave? And those guys go, Hey, we're gonna hang out for a little longer. Is that okay? Like that that's gonna be a, a big situation. Our Grad assistants gonna be coaching the team? Like what you know? So yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, uh Louisville's having Dion Branch coach their bowl game. So Breeze yeah, isn't yeah. out of the question.
3: <laughs> I think at this point it's just wing it and find out.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. What about you, Dylan?
3: Uh, I'm,
2: I don't know, man. LSU is tough. I mean, no. you talk about a, a pretty well-led uh, team and, uh, historic, but you know, like we did against, uh, Tennessee last year, uh, there's always a chance. That's why, you know, they play the game. Um, I hope AOC comes out and slings the ball. Uh, Mockaby hopefully has a hell of a game. Um, but it'll Just be 80
3: yards for Mockaby.
2: Though. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited to watch it. Um, I was going to try and fly down there. I don't think I'll be able to make it. Uh, But, yeah, we'll see, man. I'm excited for it and to see what our uh, boilers uh, put on a show.
4: No, I I think those are all really good takes. I think if if we were on PTI, I'd be giving Russ a bunch of different points right now because how he started (laughs) off saying we weren't supposed to beat Tennessee last year either, right? Yeah. And we went to we went to freaking Nashville and did it of all places. So right, um, that I, game
2: was rowdy too. Know,
4: I, I'm 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 confident. I mean, I'm confident at the same time. Also, you have to understand LSU being an SEC school and the type of talent that they typically have on their roster. Who knows how many kids are going to transfer out or sit out for mm-hmm. that game? So mm-hmm. there's like you said, you know, there's a lot of different
1: yeah. It's not just things that
4: have to fall in place in order for certain things to 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 take place and materialize. So it'll be interesting, but it's definitely going to be a good game.
1: Yeah, and if you if you ever ask Russ, like if you ever see him on the street and you ask him about the the atmosphere at that that bowl game, he's going to tell you that he loves the Tennessee <laughs> fan base. Absolutely, just
5: I almost posted about that when you posted the thread about obscure Purdue memories, and I was going to post that just because it was the craziest one of the craziest Purdue games I've ever been been at and been a part of, yeah. but I couldn't celebrate separate. Yeah. You know, it's like wow. me and my dad with a thousand orange guys around us. Like oh, it's oh, it's really oh yeah, like, they were wild. Like, like, literally, that they is. said, "You know, produce your twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one Music City Bowl champs." And I was like, "Yeah, boiler up." And they, I heard, guy watch, look around you. What? Be smart. You want to make it out?" I'm like, "Dude, all I did was cheer. I didn't say nothing <sighs> bad about Tennessee." Dude, nothing. I had like, I had you
2: know. Tennessee fans flip me off. I had like a popcorn thing thrown at me. Those dudes take it to. I mean, it's the you SEC. I you mean, saw the
5: it. guy before the games with right. a band member, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, that that's guy, right. I the band that. Oh, oh yeah, just like, I'm, just like, I'm just here to play music. music. Yeah. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Did you guys see when they beat Alabama this year? And there were like, uh, there there was videos of like student. I don't I don't know if it was produced or not. Purdue, uh, Tennessee students or not, but it was like people that looked like they could definitely be the age of like a Tennessee college student, like dragging. Other like Alabama fan, like other students out by like their hair, like and beating the crap out of them, and like throwing stuff at them, and just, dude, it's wild. It's wild it's out there crazy. in SEC. Country, I, I will man. say, Rocky Top different. in
2: person, it's kind of cool. Like, yeah, I'm gonna say, <laughs> oh, when they when all those people start singing Rocky Top and the band's going, it's kind of cool. I'll give them that. But that's um, yeah.
5: when Tennessee was in the College World Series this last year too. They they had some calls go against them against Notre Dame. They were hosting that Super Regional, I think it was. And they like, they were throwing, you know, beer cans on the field, like booing, like throwing stuff like they had to stop the game. Yeah. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, too mean, right? crazy. We're too classy for that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I think that's a good stopping point for football. Um, talking about the, the big 10 game, talking about, uh, Charles, your time at, at Purdue and, and everything and those experiences. And, um, and, uh, you know, being in the big 10 championship was just awesome. But, uh, uh, we've also got some other really cool stuff going on at, at Purdue. Um, you know, our basketball team is doing okay right now. Uh, I guess they're, they're, you know, they're doing all right. You know, National Player of the Year and Zach Eady um, put up, what was it, 28 points and – or 27 points in like uh, – or no, he put up – 31 like, points, that? 23 30. rounds. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yep. You, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Frank, what's you, what do you got on uh, on those games for us? Well, I
0: mean, uh, kind of going back to, to Florida State. Um, I think the game went a little went a little bit differently than, uh, than everyone kind of thought. Um, you know, uh, uh, they we struggled from early or from, from the beginning. We kind of um, missed some you know some easy shots, and um, you know we, we definitely rallied back at the end. And um, yeah, I thought you know one of the interesting things about that game was Braden Smith like really quietly almost having a triple double. Like that's like that. I, his, his, he's actually our second leading rebounder right now, which is insane given that <laughs> he's nuts. the shortest person on the team. Wow. Um, so that's, that, that, that's pretty neat. But I, I love um, if anyone saw the post game interview with him where, you know, it was asked, uh, you know, like why are you all, you know, kind of struggling to start games? And he's like, uh, you know, we're just missing open shots. Like that's not, we're not being stopped defensively. The just shots aren't going in. And uh, I loved his response to that. Cause that's exactly what it is. I mean, ED is going to draw so much gravity that those guys are going to, you know, those guys are going to have open shots. And yeah, at the beginning of the game, they didn't go in, but it doesn't mean we're in executing. doesn't mean the game wasn't going well. It's just uh, it's amazing how, you know, shots not going in uh, kind of skews our, our perception of what what's actually going on in the game. But, um, you know, I thought uh, I thought Florida State made a lot of tough shots. The team that hadn't really shot very well going into that game and they they took the shots we wanted them to take. They just went in. Uh, and, you know, uh, you can play great defense and shots will still go in. I think it was just a case of that. Um, I think it kind of scared a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the fan base a little bit. They expected more of a blowout. But um, one thing this team has shown all year is uh, tenacity and they don't let up. And I think we saw more of that against Florida State.
1: Yeah, I, uh, somebody I was really impressed with uh, that's kind of been showing um, their improvement all year long and has continued to improve is uh, Caleb First. Um, I think he was a huge part in that second half, like a huge part of why we were able to kind of break away and, and create like a 5-10 to 10 point gap there towards the end to, to seal it with a 10-point win. Um, but he's just all over the place. And, I mean, dude, Caleb first loves that baseline. He's a sneaky little guy. or He's not little, but he's a sneaky guy just running <laughs> on the – he's just kind of tiptoes on that baseline. And then, you know, somebody forgets about him, and then, boom, Edie or, you know, Braden Smith gets him for the easy dunk. And it's, 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 it's they're a lot of fun to watch. Did you
5: say sneaky like an elf?
1: Yeah, you know. <laughs> pretty creative. Purdue I want one creative. of those. <laughs> the best. I want one of those hats Excuse so bad—the the, the pretty elf hat. I need. That's like an obscure item to have in a collection. I need to have it. Oh
4: yeah. Pure genius! Whoever came up with that content idea, like I'm on the edge of my seat every time that that pops up. I'm like, ooh, what do we got now? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. It doesn't help that like- I mean, elf is one of my favorite movies, especially during the Christmas. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is this
1: oh, is an yeah. absolute the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely I hope-
3: think that, the and I mean, he's won Big Ten Freshman of the Week last couple weeks, but I think Lawyer has kind of surprised me a little bit with his just, his confidence. Like, it goes along with Brayden Smith. Like, both of those two freshmen have just been confident, but, like, I feel like with shooters, like, point guards and shooters, I feel like, are two different things. Like, point guards, I feel like, are bulldogs. Like, they're just going to run downhill and just dish the ball and do their thing. Or shooters is a little bit... I don't want to say finesse cuz I don't want to disrespect him but like <clears throat> it's very confidence based like if you don't hit your first shot like you can kind of see it tumble downhill where like if he doesn't miss it, hit his first two shots he's like fine I'll take five more. I'm like okay cool you're 18 just go ahead and do whatever you want to do man I don't care do it in front of 15,000 people you do you man I'm just going to sit back here and watch. Right. <laughs> like like that's just been the that's he's been really impressive to me. He 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 is far exceeded my expectations for this point in the season yeah and,
0: and it's, he's uh, not... it's amazing i would say it's amazing his knack to uh you know to get hot uh well i was yeah. sorry, talking about Braden to get hot at the end of the game right oh yeah uh, and no. i loved his response when he was asked about that you know why do you have a knack for getting hot at the end of the game it's like well it's not intended you know it's just it's just what happens uh, what you know, i do yeah it's not part of the game plan like hey i'm just gonna i'm just gonna chill till there's 10 minutes left and then i'm gonna I'm gonna go off. But uh, you know, to talk about touch on what you said about lawyer and listening to Painter's interview today, um, he said that was kind of the big thing that stuck out about him was his was his confidence. He said a lot of guys will will talk and they'll, you know, uh maybe smack talk, you know, after hitting a shot or put up three goggles, I think he said. Um, but he said that the lawyer has that legitimate confidence about him. Where you know the shot doesn't go in, it doesn't it's not gonna phase him. Um and his ability to put the ball on the ground is especially for a true freshman, is pretty insane. I think it just yeah. it, he can he, because once guys start closing out and respecting his, his shot, he's gone. Like he's straight to the basket, and that's that is a something we haven't had. I, I don't I don't want to say we haven't had it, but we haven't had it from a shooting guard to that extent since since the early days of Carson. I think.
3: Yeah. Like, and, and I want to say like his ability to drive the ball as a freshman reminds me of Sasha and Klein when they were juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed which only <laughs> bodes well
0: again uh you know the game against florida state is a game where uh where defense prevailed and um you know i think uh i i just love seeing a, a team that seems to hang its hat on defense again because we kind of got away from that a little bit last year and you know it was a game of scoring more points and um you know <laughs> you, there's you're you're gonna have off nights you're gonna have nights with a where you know your shots aren't going in and um, you know, the ability to get back and play defense and uh, rebound really well. I mean, our rebounding has been insane. Uh, is A, something that you can rely on consistently and, be something that travels. So, um, really liking what I'm seeing from this team so far this year overall.
1: Yeah, and with that Florida State game, uh, and we had all talked about it and, you know, it was on Twitter a little bit too. I mean, that they go from not being ranked to then 24th to – beating duke and gonzaga in west virginia in a weekend like it was nothing not okay not like it was nothing they they were they were just fun wins okay i don't it's like i feel it's like you almost you're almost like scared to like talk a little smack as a purdue fan you're just like you don't want it to cut you because for some reason i have a feeling that like my words affect the team even though that's not uh true at all but anyway um you know they they played a great weekend at the pk85 tournament and you get shot up 19 spots to fifth in the country Everyone's talking about how you should really be number one. Everyone's talking about how this is unprecedented uh, and and just an incredible showing and and you know kind of everybody's favorite team right now. And you know how how is this team with two starting freshmen going to handle that? How how do those freshmen respond in that moment? And I think going to Florida State, um, you know, show that they can handle that they can handle that response. They can handle the 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 heat. They can handle sudden that sudden success. Yeah, that magnifying glass being on them, uh, which is great. That is awesome to see. Um, yeah. It's like so, uh, what
3: did what did Painter say last year? Like when we got number one, we're gonna get everybody's best, and that's where we're gonna get now. We're gonna get everybody's best, and at least for two games after shooting into the top five, handled it.
1: Yeah.
4: It's funny you mentioned that. You know, after after uh, you know we we beat all these different ranked teams, you're cautious to say. You know, we're, we're really good We're this, we're that, because you look at IU, who goes <coughs> to laser tag and gets beat by Rutgers after they just knocked off UNC. I'm like, yeah. it happens in college basketball all the time. So yep. mm-hmm. I think that a little bit, I'm definitely a little bit superstitious as well
3: when it comes to Yes, to our I don't, program. I do not play that juju, bro. <laughs>
4: exactly. Exactly. I'm like, uh, let me not say anything because who knows what the next week brings. No matter. As these a guys during
3: score. the IU game and all of the games during the PK five tournament. I'm one of the most optimistic guys during our group chat. I didn't say a freaking word the entire <laughs> yeah. game.
1: He's As usually firing of stuff game. off. He's usually firing stuff off left and right, and like that yeah. that whole tournament and then the IU game. I was like, Chris, you all right? You good? Yeah. Like, and I'm like, and I'm, like I am yeah. not
3: testing the waters. I'm not doing it. I've done it before, and I've felt like an ass because of it.
4: Oh yeah, oh
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. am kind so of then... uh, on the, oh, were, were you going to segue into Minnesota from there, Damon?
1: Yeah, but I'm passing it off. Okay, to you. Well, I, yeah, God, I, I hate uh,
3: Minnesota. <laughs> well, I just, I really, I,
0: I really wanted to. There, there are some really cool things about that game. Um, you know, uh, for one thing, we didn't have Mason Gillis. Um, and for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, it looks like we're not going to have him next, at least for the next game either. Um, against Hofstra. But, uh, you know, Edie had a career game, uh, you know, with both points and rebounds. And he started one for seven from the floor. Like, that's like, that's just insane how he can have a career game and, and just start, you know, as bad as he did. Um, you know, and he he out rebounded the entire Minnesota team, um, which is just inhuman. I mean, but, like, I mean the, the the last person to put out numbers like that you know was uh Trevion once um against Michigan in a game that we actually lost and then um Biggie you know so that's uh that, that just to see us win in different ways is impressive but I thought um I thought we did a great job of kind of lulling Minnesota into um uh sort of a sort of a notion as to what we were going to do uh, and then just immediately switching it up and you know getting easy baskets off of it so we uh, were kind of running that uh that chicago action and then we turned that into pick and pop once they started hedging and got first two open threes doing that i mean it was it was a really well coached game i thought um i mean and so in the absence of mason gillis i thought trey kaufman wren looked really really good mm-hmm. uh he he can be he's gonna be a great player for us he can be an elite player for us and a, you know an all big ten type of guy is if when the when his outside shot gets going um you know he's made one this <laughs> season i think he's one for twelve but uh, you know, get that up to about 30, 33%, he's gonna be an elite player for us.
3: And I will say this, maybe it's my rose color glasses, but I feel like through the PK tournament, like we've seen probably some of Payner's best coaching through eight games. Like I feel like like every time we get into a hincup, we immediately like make a rotation, we do something different with the lineup, we do something different with our action. And then, boof, we, we're off and running. We're making a 10 to nothing run or something like that. I might just be, like I said, rose-colored glasses. But I just, especially against Duke and Gonzaga, I feel like we kind of like got jammed up at the start of both games. Painter made a switch. And then, kind of like you said, Frank, I believe, uh, maybe it was during the Painter show or something, but he said, um, going against some of these teams, we kind of had to figure out how they were going to play Edie. And then we adjusted to it and it was off and running.
0: Yeah. And that was a, an interesting point that he made because you can watch all the film you want on your opponent, uh, but they've never played a 7'4, 295 pound guy. Uh, so, yeah. you know, when you, when you get in the game and they're playing defense completely differently than how you've seen them play up to that point, it takes a little bit of adjustment. Uh, yep. That's something I honestly never considered, but it makes perfect sense because. You can't simulate Zach Eady in practice. There aren't seven foot four guys walking around still can just say, that's Hey, you want you only want to come practice? You it. You know? Yeah, but you know, he he's uh, he's he, he's just tall. That's all. He's not yeah, he's just tall. He's, tall. Yeah. he's
2: not skilled whatsoever. That's he played hockey, cool. do you guys know that?
3: And baseball. And baseball.
5: Yes, <laughs> yeah, like every, he's still growing. He's, he's still growing.
4: growing. He fails,
1: I, right? I, I wanna get a I wanna make a sign to like take to a game that just says like Zach E D played hockey, Zach E D played baseball, um AOC was a walk on, uh, AOC was the eighth in the depth chart, like saying all these things that's like uh, just repetitive like,
3: nonsense. nonsense.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's like like
3: like 24
0: shoes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. On Twitter, whenever they bring up, you know, Edie played hockey, everyone's like, all right, drink. (laughs)
3: I'm usually blacked out by the end of the game.
2: I mean, now we're going to have
0: to do the same with the lawyer jokes. They're really, really starting. Oh, they're great.
3: Yeah, Russ.
2: (laughs) You have no evidence. Where's your evidence? (laughs) But oh, in
0: just uh, just kind of looking into uh, our next game um, against Hofstra, um, you know it's a team that's actually ranked higher than Minnesota currently in Kinpom. Um, they're a team that uh, I don't want to necessarily say they have you know one major player, um, uh, but they, they they do have one guy who sticks out uh, above the rest. And that gentleman's name is uh, Aaron Estrada. Uh, this guy's averaging 21 points a game. is playing 37 minutes a game. Uh, oh, wow. offensive rating of one thirteen and a half in and a half Ken Palm and he's shooting 43% from three. Um, so he's kind of a, kind of a combo guard, 6'3, 195. Um, I imagine Ethan Morton gets the defensive assignment on him, but you know, kind of TBD on that. It could be more of a, more of a team, uh, thing. But painter's, Painter painters painters said today that his concern about Hofstra is their ability to both catch and shoot and then create their own shots. Uh, he said they have three guys, uh, who can, uh, you know, you have to respect their ability to, to catch and shoot, but also drive. So it makes them really tough to defend. Um, you know, that being said, I still think Purdue cruises to probably a, a you know twelve point win or so. But I think it's going to be a bigger, bigger challenge than uh, what people think, and definitely not a game that should be sequestered to uh, Big Ten minus as Chris calls it. Um, but I, uh, uh, my prediction for this game uh, is going to be seventy two sixty Purdue.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're we're hanging around in those seventies um, so far this year. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I yeah, I agree. I'm gonna say it's probably gonna be like 77, seventy-seven, seventy-eight. To, uh, I'm gonna go seventy-eight to fifty-six. I'm gonna go with that.
3: Yeah, I was gonna Feels do good. like
0: 79, 60. Well, and then the the reason we're not you know we're not scoring as many points as maybe last year's team is we're we're playing a lot slower. Uh, so right yeah. now we're the number one, we're the number one offense in Ken Pom, which, which measures, you know, how many points do you score per possession? But if you have fewer possessions, um, you're, you're not going to be scoring as many points. But, um, so with the fact that we're playing slower, uh, we're playing just as efficient you know, as we have in, in previous seasons. What
3: are tempos? What? two fifty five?
0: Yeah. two VL, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, averaging 66 possessions per game or last year we were about 69, um, So uh, you know, just those three possessions can you know you look at that as six more points. uh, I
3: wonder if that about where we were last season. Would you say, Chris? I wonder if that picks up in Big Ten play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's actually picked up over the season. Uh, We were close to last, um, you know, in Indy one with respect to to possessions per game, but it's actually gone up uh, as the seasons progress. So. Um, you know, uh, we're looking to score more in transition than we have in the past as well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a matchup thing or a scouting thing or just an opportunistic thing, but, uh, it's definitely something to watch. And, you know, on Saturday we have Nebraska, uh, our first, I'm going to
3: call that our first true road
0: game. I mean, Florida state was a road game, uh, but for all intents and purposes, it wasn't. It was like, it was about 10% full there. They're like
3: 75 uh, people there. Yeah.
0: But Nebraska just uh, knocked off Creighton. Um, yeah. so, yeah. um, and we've seen we've seen some of the uh, you know the favorites in the Big Ten uh, go down already. Michigan State, Indiana, um, and, uh, Michigan didn't lose a conference game, but um, uh, Maryland was in a battle. Um, you know, I don't know the final score of that game, but they're still uh, in it really, right now. Yeah, they're down
3: five with a, like a minute to go.
0: It's not a game we can overlook for sure. Um, <coughs> yeah, yeah. My my two cents on our upcoming games, but um, yeah, I'll be excited. Really, be excited to see how we play against Nebraska. That's going to be a good good test for our team
1: yeah I agree uh to that as well Um, I'm excited to see because not only is it our first probably like true road game but it's also like our true first road conference game and I feel like those just are a little bit more intense um and who doesn't want to knock off probably the hottest team in America right now um so like I think somebody said earlier you know now that we're we're playing the way we are everybody wants everybody wants to be the first one to to knock us down um so uh just got to keep our heads on a swivel and and you know uh play our game and everything Should be fine I knocked on wood If you guys didn't hear that (laughs) Yeah I I guess I'm
5: much more confident With Hofstra Um, I think it's going to be A 30 point plus win I think it's going to be You know I think Florida State Was a struggle Because of the travel issues We talked about You know Minnesota was our first Big 10 game But You know I just I think that You know This team is starting To kind of You know Feel out How they're going to play With each other Especially with first Playing with Edie more often them being able to pass out of those doubles better, Lawyer being able to find his shot a little bit better. Um, I, you know, St. Mary's beat this team at home by twenty-eight. So if we can't come close to that mark, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd be kind of disappointed. I do think Nebraska is going to be that battle that, you know, up until maybe five, ten minutes left in the game, you know, it's it's a one or two possession game. But I don't, I don't think Hofstra is going to be, going to be a, a terribly tough game. But um, especially if
1: we've got a headband, Zach, out there, yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, Hofstra's big area of struggle has been rebounding, uh, and that's arguably our biggest strength. So, um, you know, if those trends continue, because uh, as we've learned, you know, past trends don't always predict future trends. But assuming those trends continue, uh, that 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 could be a major factor in that game.
1: Agreed. Chuck Dylan, how are you guys feeling?
4: <laughs> I'll say, I. I Russ, you're on. I'm, tra- I'm tracking with Russ pretty good today, man. I think it's pretty much <laughs> going to be, in my opinion, this shouldn't be too much of a of a uh, of a competitive game. Um, this should be one of the ones that we really want to run away with early, um, just from <clears throat> mismatch standpoint. And frankly, we, we should be all gunned. Um, you know, when when it comes to Big Ten play, it's a little bit different, but for this type of game, I think that we should handle them pretty easy. I would say, at the very least, 20-plus 20, 20 point uh, W mm-hmm. for our boarders
2: i never do predictions because i always get them wrong and purdue always ends up losing so i say what <laughs> i always say, say boilers by a billion that's what i got All right, i love it that's there my you go. go-to boilers by a billion every damn time
1: love it we <laughs> awesome well uh we've been going for uh, a pretty long Ever? time now so uh we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap up but honestly it, it was great conversation i mean we talked about a lot of really awesome uh things chuck uh charles do you prefer chuck or charles by the way Chuck is good
4: man i like chuck it's even shorter okay. so all right cool All so right.
1: Chuck, uh, just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to uh, hop on the show, um, you know answer some questions, just let us get to know you more, let uh, Purdue Nation get to know you more. I think that's always cool when we can um, put a spotlight on on different people that have been athletes at Purdue or just fans of Purdue and just get to hear their stories. So I, I think that's awesome stuff. Um, and uh, just want to thank you so much for your time. Um, and for everybody else uh, out there, uh, we uh, apparently Russ has uh, something to say. go ahead. <laughs>
5: How could we almost forget, um, it, back in the early days, one of our very first segments that we had a special segment on, um, we've located and heard from Kyle Bilodow.
3: Oh, yes.
4: Oh, so, yes.
5: Um, of course, as the transfer portal stuff popped up, his name popped up and he's transferring out. Yeah. So we, we've heard from our, he's our alive American and well. game tight end. So, yeah, yes. wish, wish you well, Kyle. Um, yeah, hope, hope you do, hope you do well wherever you go.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I'm Chuck, if just uh, happy that he's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so Chuck, we were at the beginning of the year, we were all we were talking about football before the season even started, and we were like kind of doing a preview, and we were talking about tight ends, and I was like, wasn't there wasn't there some guy that was like this big recruit coming out of high school, you know, was in the All American game with Carl Aftis and Bell, and I was like, I swear, I was like, but I can't find him anywhere. Russ was actually the one that pointed it out, and it was Kyle Billado or Billado you know uh for whatever reason i think just stepped away from the team this year and kind of focused on just academics uh and it is transferring out and so we were all like God. we all like uh celebrated whenever he posted that cuz we we're like he's alive he lives because he's you know, alive. He right right you can't find That's anything about him anywhere there's yeah. no explanation he just vanished from the
0: roster one day uh, Yeah. Right? yeah, no, yeah yep. nothing um, about it well
4: honestly hey, hey. hats off to hats off to this group of men on this on this podcast because y'all keep great tabs on the athletic department and a lot of stuff that goes on. Cause there's a lot of stuff going on at, at, within Purdue athletics yeah. and y'all got it licked pretty dang well. So hats off. Well, thank you. you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, very much. But yeah, everybody, just want to say thank you for taking the time. If you're still listening right now, I'm gonna put a little spoiler in there for an episode a few weeks ahead from now. Um, Trevor Peters is gonna be on the podcast on January 10th. So Trevor's a, uh, a guy who's been involved with Purdue in a lot of different ways. Um, kind of comes from the media side of things, and so we'll get to pick his brain, get to get to know him more. So I think that'll be fun. And if you're listening right now, that's uh, that's your little nugget, that little treat that you'll get to hang on to and, and know, and maybe other people don't know. So, um, but anyway, thank you everybody for turning out uh taking the time to listen like i said at the beginning of the show you know we're, we're all over the place we're on spotify youtube uh twitter uh, so check us out there and chuck again we can't thank you enough for your time we appreciate your passion thank so you. much for purdue athletics yeah. in general and um you know uh boiler up hammer down and um let's go be hofstra, awesome. be right. hofstra.
3: appreciate
4: you guys having me man.